0: Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks. This week, host of the Busy Mumsy podcast, Ashley Verma, joins me to talk about where she's from, Moundsville, West Virginia. Well, where we're from. We both happen to go to Wheeling Park High School. Ashley Verma, or Ashley Yater as I knew her back in the day, spent years performing on Broadway in shows like Pippin, Big Fish, The Producers, and A Chorus Line. Ashley branched out from stage work several years ago to become the go-to personal trainer for celebrities like Jordan Dunn, Pippa Middleton, Lorena Ray, and Lisa Snowden. Ashley relocated to London a few years back where she launched a fitness business with her husband called Define London. When the pandemic shut down her brick and mortar store, Ashley launched Busy Mumsy, a new community-based platform committed to sharing the real highs and lows of parenting. She also hosts a podcast with real mumsies and dadsies, including TV show hosts, authors, CEOs, and even designing women's Potts to talk about parenthood and all it entails. But before she was a Busy Mumsy, Ashley grew up just down the Ohio River from me in Moundsville, West Virginia. Moundsville is considered part of the Wheeling, West Virginia metropolitan area. It's a small town with a population of around 8,000 people. The Ohio Valley was built on manufacturing, and Moundsville was a major stop along the famed B&O Railroad. It's also the home of West Virginia Penitentiary, which you might have seen as the haunted prison in the first episode of MTV's reality show, Fear. Yeah, kind of a lame brag, right? But growing up in the Ohio Valley like me and Ashley did, it seemed like a huge deal. Anyway, let's talk to Ashley. And I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Ashley Verma. How are you doing today, Ashley?
1: Ah, thanks so much Bill, for
0: having me. I'm doing great. I was thinking about it this morning. I believe it's been about two decades since we've spoken.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the answer is an absolute yes to that.
0: (laughs) Just because it has been so long, and we've both lived a life since we went to high school together, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I feel like maybe four, but yes, yes, we we have have lived a life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I thought it would be fun to go ahead and uh, maybe see what we remember about each other. So why don't you start and say what you remember about me? And then I'll, and it's okay if it's nothing. <laughs> and uh, then I'll say what I remember about you. Cause I mean, it's been years. I was kind of a, a wallflower back in the day and everything. So you might not remember that much.
1: I think I'm right in saying that you and I were in the the TV department at Wheeling Park High School. We did like the audio, like the the news stuff. I was involved a little bit there,
0: a little bit in journalism. What I remember you most from, though, is we were in a Bill Cornforth personal communication class. together. Yeah,
1: right? no, we were. That was in uh, the 10th tenth gr- tenth, tenth grade. Uh, now I'm thinking about where uh, Mr. Cornforth's classroom was located, which was near the lunchroom at Wheeling Park High School. It was like that weird, like on your way to the theater, but like his door was right there. Like, yeah, no, I, I'm now having flashbacks of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it was a, it was right across from the North Commons, between kind of yeah. between the North Commons and the theater, uh, which we both were eventually involved in a little bit. What we were? <laughs> what I remember, I because I remember that class. There were a lot of theater people that we went, went to school with, like Jonathan Fadul, I think was in that class. Maybe Nicole Vasquez. Um, Stacy Tis- B- Tisk.
1: Stacey Tisk was there too. <laughs> you know what? It was all these smart people. I was just trying to keep my head above water, man. But that was like a very like top graded classroom. I not now that I am like you. You've you definitely have like scratched the surface, and now I can remember it. And I do recall going home being like, "I'm out of my element in this, so I'm just going to go along for the ride and probably cheat my way through." But I, you know, <laughs> it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I, I I I remember enjoying that class quite a bit. And it it actually um because I wanted to do theater at Park from the time I first got there, but I was like yeah i was a I was a fat kid that had been homeschooled, and I was like all like out of sorts about it. but going through that class kind of gave me the confidence to start auditioning because i I think didn't we have to do we had to do presentations on something, right? I, I think I did a presentation on how to do an HTML web page or something I'll,
1: I'll, I'll tell you what. Um and I actually spoke to um a family based in Wheeling uh, not too long ago about their child wanting to go into theater and like that road and I said, full stop, Wheeling Park High School, I mean, I don't know how it is now, but when we grew up, we were very, very lucky. We had great teachers. We had great teachers that really gave us wonderful tools and tips to go into that world. Schoolcraft, she was wonderful. Um, Mr. Cornforth, he was fantastic. And like, we were just very, very lucky. I mean, looking back on it, and I mean, I I, I personally, I mean, my, my child's two and a half, I dread the day that she is going to have to embark like public school and like that life because I think it's crazy right now. Back then we had a very much like chilled experience compared to what kids are going through now, but the, our teachers were phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal.
0: Absolutely. And it was a top rated uh, speech and theater program. Like, I think yeah, uh, no. they're still they're still running a streak of uh, winning the state championships for like 40
1: years or something like that. Oh, my goodness. I was dramatic interpretation. I wonder why.
0: <laughs> I actually I'm 90 percent sure um, that you were in the first live musical I ever saw, which was a uh, West Side Story at Park.
1: Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was in that production where uh, Nicole Vasquez played Maria. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, man, I wish I would have done some homework. Um, <laughs> uh, Aaron Galligan-Stero played Tony. Uh, Jonathan Fadul played Riff. Yeah, Riff.
0: Yeah, Riff, Riff. I know Billy Clough was in it, too.
1: Yeah, I played Graziella, I think. <laughs> And I just remember the gal that played anybody's and she was super cute. And like, so like it was like the perfect fit for her, but I can't remember her name again. We're talking like over 20 years. So,
0: yeah, I I just I have a lot of fun because that was the first time I ever like really got excited about like wanting to do theater because, you know, a a musical, you know, it's high emotion. There's dancing there. There's, you know, big emotions everywhere. And I think I think I was just like, you know, I want to I'm a ham. Inside, deep down inside, I'm a ham. I want to get up there and ham it up like these guys are. So, uh, you know, I, eventually I never uh, reached quite the heights that you did with theater. Uh, but, you know, through high school, college, I, I did a lot of theater. And uh, the skill sets have served me well from podcasting to a bunch of other stuff I do. So, so you were around uh, when I got inspired to do theater. Oh, You can oh, probably take how many people are in that cast? 20. Uh, so you can take one 20th of the credit
1: there you go. There you go. And and I went on to Broadway and performed in many shows. So there you have it. I'm glad to be in that little percentile.
0: Talk a little bit about that transition, like going from like, you know, doing high school theater to going to Broadway. And I'm sure there was probably some steps in between. But what was that whole process like for you?
1: Um, I, I guess I would rewind back to I went to Wheeling Park High School because it actually fit the timeline needed for me to get out of school and go to dance class. I technically, I I lived in Moundsville, West Virginia. uh, So I technically should have went to John Marshall High School, but two reasons. Number one, John Marshall High School, um, there were a few teachers that were really, am I allowed to curse? Cause they were shit to my brother. Um, Um, Okay, great. They were really nasty to my brother and treated him very poorly. And my brother was super talented in the running department and basketball. And because it's such a click, like it's such a blah BS click in that Glendale, West Virginia world, my brother was always going to be like second string, whatever. So with that said, my brother got pushed uh, up to Bishop Donahue and they tried to send me there, but I like went kicking and screaming when I went to Bishop Donahue which is why I ended up in your classes mid-sophomore year um, at Wheeling Uh Park because Bishop Donahue also had the same schedule as Wheeling Park where I could get out at 2 p.m. My mom would be there to pick me up and then we would drive to Pittsburgh. We'd drive to Uniontown, Pennsylvania, and I'd go to dance class. And that was like Mm -hmm. an hour and a half drive each way. So to your question of like with Broadway and transitioning into it, I was prepped very, very young. I started kind of getting prepped into the world because I was going to Pennsylvania and I was going to New York City starting when I was nine. So the mm-hmm. the kind of that world of me already knowing where I wanted to go and how I wanted to get there, I was making the relationships and doing the work and my parents were like full stop, like pushing, pushing, pushing. I love the title of your podcast for the simple fact of where are you from because I grew up in a small town, Moundsville, West Virginia, but I'm a very proud person to say that I'm from there. That is where I am from. That's what that is who that is what made me, and mm-hmm. you know I love that I had that upbringing there. But yeah. parents wanted me out, like they wanted my brother and I to like get out. So when I did graduate high school, and no one ever saw me again, because literally I, I, like we said, never see, haven't seen you in 20 years um i i just saw like emily wack for the first time in 22 years like 3 months ago so it's like i got out but i always knew what i wanted to do and that was theater that was performing and being up on stage and being creative i mean there's just something i mean like you with your podcast there's something about being creative it just is so just oh just like feeds such an engine yeah, I, I,
0: I love that whole vibe of just let's let's put on a show, guys. Let's, uh you know, get together and, well, we'll try and do something fun, you know?
1: Well, yes. But, you know, I will have to say that fun was a, a very cutthroat business. So when I got my first gig at 19, you know, once you enter the world of musical theater and Broadway and you're wanting to pay your cell phone bills and your rent and go to fancy dinners and this, that and the other. You have to hustle. And when I say hustle, I am talking about you are in that like headlining show. Like I was in the producers and I was auditioning for this, that. And I was in the producers for five years and I toured the world with it. I was on Broadway with it, but I was always auditioning. I was, We were always like one foot in the show. And then the other leg was like in trying to get into the other one. So, and that's just like the cutthroat world because in musical theater, for anyone listening that like wants to pursue it, just know that the Actors' Association, three percent of that union works. Three percent. Mm. It's a very, very, and, and who knows what that is now with COVID. With you know, on the other other side of COVID. But when we were like, you know, moving and grooving, like I'm ta- like my last Broadway show was 2015, because um, I'm not even in New York anymore. But it was three percent of the union worked. Insane.
0: Insane. I kind of have a sense of that because, you know, I've been out here in Los Angeles for a year and I do some extra work from time to time. And really, uh, you know, the people who are super happy with their careers, they might book two days a week, you know, and it's it's <laughs> like 275 a day or something, which you can't really live on, you know, but no. by the same token, you have to be like available for everything because you never I know. Be when somebody...
1: And then it's like then it's like trying to explain to everything. Well, that said my soul and like. <laughs> how how many times do you can you say it fed my soul for 50 bucks when yeah. you're like you have to you have to go into the business being willing to well a it's a lot of luck and b when you're in it be willing to shift maneuver change yourself change your book change your material when you're auditioning taking constant classes being kind of like immersed in the world i will say for me i went into the world and i was really Good. I had really good work ethic. And that probably goes back to my school and being at Wheeling Park High School Mm -hmm. and my dance etiquette and like super focused and scheduled because I, I wasn't one to like stay for the after party. I wasn't one that like schmoozed like that to me, like uh, that just makes me like, that's like nails on a chalkboard to me. I cannot stand schmoozing and all the BS that goes with it. But I was able to have a career where I jumped around with different choreographers and directors. And I just didn't have that one person that I relied on because I just latched on to them. I like was very lucky. And but I think that goes back to this, the sense of just like I, you could you can drink the Kool-Aid, but not all of the Kool-Aid. And I feel like I drank like half glass mm-hmm. of it.
0: You know, you mentioned you had to go to Pittsburgh for this and here for that. Like, was uh-huh. there much support for a uh, young artist trying to find her way in Moundsville and the Wheeling, Ohio Valley nope. area itself? Or was it just like you had to go or you were going to be stuck doing uh, Towngate stuff? or something?
1: You know, I, I was in the Towngate production of Gypsy. Thank you very much. I played <laughs> Baby June. You can't Google that one. You won't be able to find that <laughs> anywhere back <laughs> They play Baby June. My God, that's eons ago. That's like, we're talking 90s. I was also in two productions of Cinderella at uh, the Capitol musical. Nice. The big venue. The big venue. But you know what? I started out dance in Powhatan um, because that that dance studio was open first. And I, I can't remember the name. I feel like it was like a Donna. I can't remember. We went there and there was a rock slide that happened. Um, Like there was a full on rock slide that you couldn't get to Powhatan from Moundsville. So we stopped going there. And at the time, Dance Dimensions had just opened off of National Road in Wheeling. So I went up to Dance Dimensions and started there. And probably like around, I think it was like nine, I was like nine years old and there was like a ballet teacher that started coming in. So I, I went to New York um, a couple of times with her to uh, Saratoga Springs to uh, train with the New York City Youth Program, the New York City Ballet. And then I got it, we got into dance competitions and I remember going to nationals. So we were trapped, we were in New Orleans and I, I was in New Orleans with uh, the Dance Dimensions team and I was going for um, Preteen Miss Dance of America. Um, cause I had one, I know, I know. I was like, I'm from the dance mom's world. Anyways, <laughs> um, I remember we were in new Orleans and I saw a girl dance and I was like, I want to be like her. Where does she train? Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, well, I don't know where she trains, but she's a beautiful dancer. And Ashley, like you're, you're getting great training. So like all is fine. It's like, no, 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 no. no I want to dance. Like her. I dance, like her, the girl's name was Lori, her name was Lori Barber. And, um, find out she was from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And we found out who her dance teacher was, which was Lorraine Sousa. And because my mom basically gave, as a mother, gave her all to both my brother and I, she just said, okay, let's go. Hmm. So we went and we met with Lorraine and she said, I would love to take on Ashley. But you're going to have to commit to the commute. So we ended up um, probably what you don't know, Bill, is that like I would leave school, and sometimes my mom would drive me halfway to Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Another family would pick me up, and then I had a dance class. <laughs>
0: oh
1: wow, wow!
0: And I, then, I do then remember I'm, sometimes you coming in like late to class, being like, "Sorry, I like I had a late night uh, doing this class or that class." Oh,
1: I missed so much school. I had to test out of every year. <laughs> and this probably goes back to like the, the little bit of like the really cheeky the the cheeky cheating that I did. I was like, just if you move your shoulder over a little bit, I could just see what's going on. Okay, C D F G A. Got it. Got it. <laughs> thank you, David Cideropolis. May you rest in peace. But thank you.
0: Uh, we talked a little bit about the reputation that West Virginia has across, you know, the country and the globe and everything. What would you say? is the most stereotypical West Virginia thing you ever saw while you lived there?
1: That I saw while I lived there? Like, okay, I have to say this. Like the stereotype that people always absolutely go with first is that like, did you date your brother? And you're like, they like (laughs) like to put on that accent kind of like, well, I, I guess you went to prom with your brother. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And no, I've never seen that. And this is not, wait, what is that movie? Deliverance. Deliverance. Everyone immediately flips on and thinks deliverance. That's where I was born and raised. And it was not that, um, mm-hmm. again, this would even go back to, I, I just wish that that the state got a golden pot of money to help rejuvenate it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very sad, sad thing. I, I'm not someone that will just be like, Oh, I got out of there and like, you know, middle fingers to everyone. Cause that, that wasn't the case. I had a beautiful upbringing, but, um, that is like the huge stereotype of just like toothless, you know, mm-hmm. toothless. You dated your brother. Um, your, your parents are actually like second cousins. I mean, all of that yeah. kind of stuff comes into play. My husband's from uh, England. Like my, my my husband's a Brit, and he didn't have a Scooby. He didn't have a Scooby about West Virginia. I was like, yeah, I'm from West Virginia. Like, we're <laughs> the Ohio Valley River. Like, we used to go down to, like, old smokestack and, like, jump off of it and go into the Ohio Valley River.
0: The smokestack, was that in Warwood Because I believe I jumped off of the smokestack into the Ohio River in Warwood. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, all, all 50 shades of green, we would come home. I mean, it just is. <laughs> but, like, he was like, are you kidding me? And so, like, I, I brought my my husband has been to my hometown. He went to the ice cream shop. He was like, yeah, I think a lot of people think that it's one thing. I think that what people really need to know is that it's a state and it's an area that just needs more investment. And there actually are a lot of caring people there. I still have family there. I can only hope that they get to do everything they want to do and be safe and feel like they're a part of a community that is uplifted. I just think that, you know, probably like the town of Moundsville probably needs to like rework their board. Um, but you know, that's a whole other podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, it's a,
0: yeah, it, it's an interesting area. It's been neglected. I think since like all the still mills went away and everything, cause there was a lot of economic growth there for a few decades and then it all just kind of went away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm from that family that grew up with like my, my grandfather worked in the, the power plants. And my dad did at one point early on, um, before he started his own business. Mm-hmm. I even like, remember like my grand my grandpa pap, I mean, he passed away young. I mean, his lungs were black. Yeah. Um, they, and they still couldn't actually figure out like what really happened. But you know, one day he woke up and his speech just went and he just like, quickly went downhill and there was just like nothing you could do. And that's, but, and that's the area, but that those were the jobs that were available. You know, I, I also am from a military family. Um, You know, my, my grand, my grandfather and my uncles, a lot of them are military. My brother is, was military. He's retired now. So, and, and that's like one of the things that I'm sure you remember Bill is like, and I, I do find that a lot of people are always fascinated by this. When you go to high school in a state like West Virginia, military start turning up to your school by ninth grade. Oh, yeah. By ninth grade, they are handing out pamphlets, whether they're allowed to come in or they have to stand outside near the bus stop and they're handing them out. I don't know what the rules are now. Mm -hmm. We're talking about it's it's been a minute, (laughs) but... It is. I remember at the entry of Wheeling Park High School, there was tables set up, and men were men and women decked out in their military garb, and they were handing out pamphlets and like all of it. And you were just like, th- we, we're, "We're targeted. Like we are a state that is actually yeah. targeted for military."
0: Yeah, and kind of kind of maliciously too. Like, uh, you, you know, they would they would be like, "Yeah, you you're gonna
1: here's ten grand. Here's ten grand."
0: And you'll never have to fight. Don't worry, we're never going to be in a war. And
1: of course, a sixteen-year-old's going to go home and be like, "Mom, Dad, they're going to give me ten grand." And then the parents are like, no, it's sign up, don't do it." And they're like, "Oh, I already did."
0: Well, it's like you know, especially in an area like West Virginia, like there were some people's parents who didn't make ten grand in a year, so that was like a huge thing. That was like you know, life-changing money, or it seemed to be.
1: You know, my my brother went to. West Liberty state college. He was supposed to go to Bethany and that just went to shit, but he ended up going to West Liberty. And again, this goes back to, he was a great runner. Um, but my brother, um, he just needed, he needed, I, I feel like he needed someone to tell him, like constantly coach, constantly coach B right next to him. Cause the minute if he was in a bigger group, he'd be like, well, they're all doing it. So I might as well. Um, and I think that when he went to West Liberty, he kind of got himself into like the wrong crowd and it wasn't good. And I remember my, my mom, we were talking about it not too long ago. She goes, I remember when he came home, um, one day after, I think there was, he was like, I think he was in a fraternity that was like not West Liberty approved.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I, my mom goes, I remember him calling and being like, I want out of here and this is how we're going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I have a meet, an officer was coming to the house. I think like that Monday or Tuesday. And he was like, mom, I'm coming home. We're going to sit with this officer and we're going to make a game plan. And he did like, he brought the officer in and my mom and my dad sat there. My brother signed up to the air force. It was the best thing he ever could have done. Were my parents like pushing him in that department? Absolutely not. Everyone in our, in our family, actually are air force. So But he, at one point thought he was going to go army. And my mom was like, absolutely not. No, no, you are not cut for the army. No, Um, let's make you an engineer instead. Um, So, so yeah, that's the route that he went, but that's what he needed. And I tell you what, I couldn't be more proud of him for flourishing that he did. And he served for 26 years and I'm very Mm -hmm. proud of him. And now he's tired, retired and, um, you know, resides in Virginia another state for anyone listening, another state, um, <laughs> separate to West. Virginia.
0: West Liberty, uh, state college, now university. I think I went there myself and it, it, it can be challenging for people because it's like, you're so isolated up there. There's like one or two things off campus to do. So you just end up in a dorm room every night, like drinking your ass off. And uh, and you can just kind of lose sight of things sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think that anywhere that you go, again, I, I was talking to a family not long ago about, you know, Broadway and going to New York and all that kind of stuff. I think it just depends on your support network. And my, my brother, Seth, he had a support network, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think that he always reached out. And I'm I'm thankful that he reached out when he knew like, Oh shit has hit the fan. And like, I need to like, get it together. And, you know, he was 21. And, you know, I, I'm so thankful that he did. And he did a wonderful job and he did great and got all sorts of accolades through the years and, and all those things. But, um, I, I think that no matter where you go, no matter where you live, and then you decide to go somewhere else, It it takes thick skin, broad shoulders and a good, uh, you know, good communication with the people or you you will you will sink no matter where you go. You could live in L.A. and then move to New York. That's a completely different, like completely Mm -hmm. different animal. You know, East Coast, West Coast, completely different. Middle America, completely different.
0: I always heard it referred to as the wheeling magnet, but it kind of applies to the Ohio Valley where people end up getting stuck there or they go and try and do something and they come back there and it comes down to support, right? Like it took me like, I think three or four launches to finally get out of the valley. And it was because, you know, I didn't really have that kind of support at home that to where I I couldn't necessarily call home and be like, hey, I'm in trouble. Can you send me you know, 50, 100 bucks so I can make my rent or anything like that. And it made it almost impossible. So there I'd go back on the bus back to Wheeling for a few months. So even, you know, if you're trying to stay in the area and uh, do something in the area, I, I mean, a support network is the difference between success and failure a lot of
1: times. Massively economic
0: growth there for a few decades and then it all just kind of went away.
1: Yeah. I mean I I I'm from that family that grew up with like my my grandfather worked in the the power plants and my dad did at one point early on um before he started his own business. Mm -hmm. I even like remember like my grand my grandpa Pap, I mean he passed away young. I mean his lungs were black. Yeah. Um they and they still couldn't actually figure out like what really happened. But you know, one day he woke up and his speech just went and he just like quickly went downhill and there was just like nothing you could do. And that's, but and that's the area, but that those were the jobs that were available. You know, I, I also am from a military family. Um, you know, my, my grand, my grandfather and my uncles, a lot of them are military. My brother is, was military. He's retired now. So, and, and that's like one of the things that I'm sure you remember, Bill is like, And I I do find that a lot of people are always fascinated by this. When you go to high school in a state like West Virginia, military start turning up to your school by ninth grade. Oh, yeah. By ninth grade, they are handing out pamphlets, whether they're allowed to come in or they have to stand outside near the bus stop and they're handing them out. I don't know what the rules are now. We're talking about it's it's been a minute, but (laughs) It is I remember at the entry of Wheeling Park High School, there was table set up and men were men and women decked out in their military garb and they were handing out pamphlets and like all of it. And you were just like, th- we, we're, we're targeted like we are a state that is actually yeah. targeted for military.
0: Yeah. And kind of kind of maliciously, too. Like, uh, you, you know, they would they would be like, yeah, you, you're you going
1: to here's 10 grand. Here's 10 grand.
0: And you'll never have to fight. Don't worry. We're never going to be in a war. And
1: of course, a 16 year old going to go home and be like, Mom, Dad, they're going to give me 10 grand. And then the parents are like, No, it's going up. Don't do it. And they're like, Oh, I already did.
0: Well, it's like, you know, especially in an area like West Virginia, like there were some people's parents who didn't make 10 grand in a year. So that was like a huge thing. That was like, you know, life changing money, or it seemed to be.
1: You know, my, my brother went to, West Liberty state college. He was supposed to go to Bethany and that just went to shit, but he ended up going to West Liberty. And again, this goes back to, he was a great runner. Um, but my brother, um, he just needed, he needed, I, I feel like he needed someone to tell him, like constantly coach, constantly coach B right next to him. Cause the minute if he was in a bigger group, he'd be like, well, they're all doing it. So I might as well. Um, and I think that when he went to West Liberty, he kind of got himself into like the wrong crowd and it wasn't good. And I remember my, my mom, we were talking about it not too long ago. She goes, I remember when he came home, um, one day after, I think there was, he was like, I think he was in a fraternity that was like not West Liberty approved. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I, my mom goes, I remember him calling and being like, I want out of here and this is how we're going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I have a meet, an officer was coming to the house, I think like that Monday or Tuesday. And he was like, mom, I'm coming home. We're going to sit with this officer and we're going to make a game plan. And he did like, he brought the officer in and my mom and my dad sat there. My brother signed up to the air force. It was the best thing he ever could have done. Were my parents like pushing him in that department? Absolutely not. Everyone in our, in our family, actually are air force. So but he at one point thought he was going to go army. And my mom was like, absolutely not. No, no, you are not cut for the army. No. Um, Let's make you an engineer instead. Um, So, so yeah, my, that's the route that he went, but that's what he needed. And I tell you why I couldn't be more proud of him for flourishing that he did. And he served for 26 years and um, Mm I'm very proud of him. And now he's tired, retired and um, you know, resides in Virginia another state for anyone listening, another state, um, <laughs> separate to West, Virginia.
0: West Liberty, uh, state college, now university. I think I went there myself and it, it, it can be challenging for people because it's like, you're so isolated up there. There's like, one or two things off campus to do. So you just end up in a dorm room every night, like drinking your ass off. And uh, and you can just kind of lose sight of things sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think that anywhere that you go, again, I, I was talking to a family not long ago about, you know, Broadway and going to New York and all that kind of stuff. I think it just depends on your support network. And my, my brother, Seth, he had a support network, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think that he always reached out. And I'm I'm thankful that he reached out when he knew like, Oh shit has hit the fan. And like, I need to like, get it together. And, you know, he was 21. And, you know, I, I'm so thankful that he did. And he did a wonderful job and he did great and got all sorts of accolades through the years and, and all those things. But, um, I, I think that no matter where you go, no matter where you live, and then you decide to go somewhere else, it, it takes thick skin, broad shoulders and a good, co- uh, you know, good communication with the people or you you will sh- you will sink no matter where you go. You could live in L.A. and then mo- move to New York. That's a completely different, like completely mm-hmm. different animal. You know, East Coast, West Coast, yep. completely different. Middle America, completely it- different. I
0: always heard it referred to as the wheeling magnet, but it kind of applies to the Ohio Valley where people end up getting stuck there or they go and try and do something and they come back there and it comes down to support, right? Like it took me like, I think three or four launches to finally get out of the Valley. And it was because, you know, I didn't really have that kind of support at home that to where I, I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily call home and be like, Hey, I'm in trouble. Can you send me, you know, 50, hundred bucks so I can make my rent or anything like that. And it made it, almost impossible so there i'd go back on the bus back to wheeling for a few months so even you know if you're trying to stay in the area and uh do something in the area i i mean a support network is the difference between success and failure a lot of times
1: massively yeah all
0: right well i think i'm going to come back with one or two more questions we do have to take a quick break for our sponsor this so i'll play our sponsor's ad and then we'll be ready right Where I'm From is brought to you by Stream Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N Studio, the web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Stream Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, if you want to go to a website that isn't supported even, you can stream to all of those platforms at once, get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the goal plan, where you can have up to eight guests. You can stream to as many social platforms as you want. You can get a web link to share your show with external audiences. And you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. I want to thank Screen Studio for supporting Where I'm From, and you can give this fantastic software a spin and support Where I'm From at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from, and click on the Stream Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we're back. So Ashley, Ashley, when I when I contacted you, uh, you mentioned uh, that your parents a few years back took over the well-remembered uh, by people other than me. I don't remember it really.
1: You're from Wheeling, so you wouldn't know.
0: Yeah, and I, I didn't have a car until I was like 23 or something. Oh, Bill, so. you know,
1: I'm going to be so naughty and say this. I was like, but you're from Wheeling. I mean, like you're even one step up from Glendale. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to get so many nasty messages now. I'm just kidding. At least neither of
0: us were from Bel Air across the river. That's the that important
1: That's true. That is true. But <laughs> oh, wait, they had like, a really good dairy queen there though. Like it was like efficient. I remember like that was an efficient dairy queen. But anyways. Um, or maybe I'm getting that confused with Shady Side, which is just another disaster. <laughs> but anyways. So my parents took over the Marshall County Dairy, which uh, was an old establishment back in the early 1900s of being, you know, your typical pharmacy. So you would go there and buy your glass bottle of Coca-Cola. And, um, you know, um, yeah, it was this kind of that they had ice cream there as well. So when my parents opened it, it was um, my goodness, it's been a while now because um, they opened, they did three seasons. And um, essentially it was 32 flavors of hand-dipped ice cream from Hershey. Um, So they uh, got everything from Hershey PA. And the beautiful thing about the Marshall Dairy that um, was magical is that my father brought it back to life. And he brought it back to life in the sense of he was a huge carnival fair collector. And he... Did everything like he he collected anything and everything he could when he went to antiques and, au- and auction shows, from gas pumps to roller coasters to trolleys, you name it. Like you could eat your ice cream inside of um, one of the old wooden roller coasters from Kennywood. Oh wow! Yeah, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So um, it was the Little Dipper. Is that what he had? And the train came through. You know, it was really magical. It was a great place for families to bring kids. It felt like Moundsville was back in the like 88, 89 again. Like it felt safe. It felt comforting. It felt like a place that wasn't run down. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was really magical what he did. And, um, I, we were all pretty, pretty sad when, when they decided to sell it and rightfully so they're older and at the time, and, you know, they, they wanted to be spending more time in Florida Um, so they they sold it to um a family, but they weren't able to run it successfully after that. So they closed shop. But it was it was a great thing. I, you know, my parents had a a core group of people that really supported them. And um I'm grateful that they did. Um, I wish that Moundsville and the the so-called board of Moundsville would have been more open to supporting them. I think because I think it was really a great thing for tourists when they came in, because it was directly across from the mound the largest man-made mound in America. So it was across from the Grave Creek Mound, and then to the right of it was the Moundsville State Penitentiary, which, you know, it closed its doors back in like 95, 96. So they turned that kind of into like tour tour buses coming through, because it is quite a, uh, did you ever do the tour at? I,
0: I never I never actually did the tour and I never went to the haunted house they have there. The the I've been on the outside of it. The most I've seen on the inside of it is MTV.
1: Virginia State Penitentiary, built in 1866. For decades, it was called one of America's most violent prisons. Condemned and abandoned in 1995, it has since become known as one of the most supernaturally active areas in the country. Yes, I'd say this is probably uh, has had more killings on 10 acres of land than most any place in the United States. If you died in prison, uh, it was it was uh, it was like your your spirit was was destined to just wander the hallways of the prison, never to be free. Yeah, there's
0: definitely-
1: hey, stuff. Listen, <laughs> listen, 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 Bill. That <laughs> penitentiary makes your hair stand up on the back of the neck as soon as you walk in. You don't even screw the haunted house. As soon as you walk in, just the entry, you feel... I mean, come on. There's like 90... I think it was like somewhere like 95, 96 men died in there.
0: Yeah. Like...
1: Yeah. It- di- like... I, I, I actually lie. I think it's like over 300 men died in there, but like 95 of them were executed. That's what it is. Cause it's a, it's a lesser number of execution, but it is bananas in there. You feel, you feel pain, sorrow, coldness. There is nothing happy, which there shouldn't be. It's a penitentiary for crying out loud, but like, yeah, it is bananas. So back to we, my parents had always hoped that there would be this kind of like, um, from counsel to like really support and it just never happened. And it's so sad. Like, you know, I, I have to say, jealousy is a very, very ugly thing. And if you can, if you live and breathe in jealousy, not good, not good. <laughs> you should always be supporting each other. No, and no matter what you do, what, and it's like, I have a podcast and I, I appreciate you having me come on your podcast because that only helps me. We're supporting each other. Right. Like Absolutely. anything and everything that you do, only can help you go forward and be, be better. And I, and maybe this happens, maybe this kind of switch happens when you become a parent, because Bill, you're a parent, right? And there's like, you have Absolutely. to then switch on for your child, right? Of like, well, I want them to be the best. So like, in my head, like, well, I would, I would want my parents to be the best. And you would think that all of their colleagues and everyone around them would want them to support them to be their best. Like, it's weird to me that that people try to bring you down when when really what they were doing was only ha- enhancing the community. And um, yeah. yeah, and it was it's a very cool trifecta down there, like w- what they had. Um, again, it's a real estate agency now, but um, the penitentiary still does great tours. I know, I mean, it's October now, so we are getting into spooky season. But yeah, so I, to see, um, you know, we did walk up the mound as well. I, I took my daughter, Adia, to Grave Creek Mound. We walked up the stairs. I remember going there for, um, you know, like sixth grade, uh, you know, afternoon outing. And we'd you take, take your brown bag lunch. And that was always exciting because I always ate school lunch. Like I was given my 60 cents and I went to school and I ate the, the hot lunch. Um, so that was always exciting, brown bag.
0: Real quick, uh, you, you mentioned the mound, which I believe Moundsville is named for. So it, if I remember correctly, it's basically just like a big pile of dead uh, Native Americans, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, the, um, oh gosh, oh gosh. It's the um, the the Ath- Athena, Athene, Athen um, Native Americans. And it was created uh, BC, my goodness, what was it? It was BC. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we had to know everything about the mound. Um, and they, they do this really lovely, um, like fossil exhibit also attached to the mound that you can kind of go through. And then they, they, they talk about the native Americans that come in and the different families and this, that, and the other it's, it's actually beautifully done. The, the, the gray Creek uh, museum that is attached to the gray Creek mound, um, and when we were there, it actually was kept up really nicely. Like it was not, didn't feel untouched or taken care of at all. It actually was in great shape. But I did not, I will have to say, Bill, I did not take Adia to the penitentiary. I just pointed it out to her. <laughs> there it is. There it is.
0: like, stay, stay away, creepy, haunted. Stay away
1: from there. Bad.
0: Growing up in the Valley, I kind of always, there there was a certain attitude that a lot of people had that wasn't very supportive. It was kind of, uh, there were a lot of haters uh, in the Valley. Um, You know, (laughs) anytime anyone, uh, you know, tried to improve it or like, hey, let's maybe, uh, you know, tear down this building and put up a new one. You know, people are very against it. What what do you think it is about the area that kind of locks people into, uh, you know, not trying to improve, uh, you know, their surroundings or their situation?
1: You know, there's always an uneasy settling feel in West Virginia, period, because it is a state that is hugely based around, like, you know, mining, coal mining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of yeah. like, yeah, it steel, it kind of just the attachment to politics. Our state, we uh, and sadly, West Virginia is one of the poorest states in America. It is known to be that. Mm-hmm. And it, it and it has pretty much always been that way. and our state really relies on politics and who is in charge and who is going to say, no, we're closing the mines. Yes, we're opening the mines. No, we're closing them. So the area never felt like it could get ahead because everyone was always afraid of what was going to happen if they did invest. Mm -hmm. So there's always that constant question of, well, I don't know what's going to happen next year or in two years. And, oh, you know, recently, for instance, my... I. I actually should lead also by saying this, I'm very like politically like in the, like I am not one, not other. I, I just want, you know, happiness and women to have their rights and everyone to have their rights. I just want to say that because I do. What an unreasonable <laughs> position, Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. But I am going to get up on my soapbox about this because I I think it's so true with America that that West Virginia just is never going to be allowed to have a chance. It's mm-hmm. never, and and that's why it is. When when people say, "Well, where are you from?" I'm from West Virginia, and like I had a great upbringing and I loved it, but you know, it's a drive-through state.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you say West Virginia, either they they say Western Virginia.
1: Oh my God, I love DC. Oh my yeah, God, yeah. I love DC. Oh yeah, I go yeah. so go further over into another state. It's called West Virginia, but you know, it is what it is. I I don't know the real reason why, but my, my, my own personal educated guess is that no one will ever invest and take a chance on West Virginia in general and our area. I know there were times like in Wheeling and in Moundsville where I think someone tried to like grab the, the, horn of the bull and be like, yes, I'm going to do this and go forward. And then all of a sudden six months goes by and then it just, we're back to square one. Cause again, it's fear. It's, um, you know, uh, I mean, gosh, we just went through two years of, a of a crazy global pandemic and, you know, Mm -hmm. a a town, you know, where I'm from a town like that got hit hard. I mean, it got hit
0: hard. I know several people who, who, who it took uh, through it all. People who were, uh, very much uh supportive of what the government was trying to do to help everyone and people who were very on the opposite side of the coin which is it's some at some point it's it's a little hard to feel sympathy but I, I mean it feels awful especially if it's someone you loved and cared about it's kind of hard to feel sympathy for that sort of willful ignorance in the face of crisis uh but by the same same token uh, it you know it broke my heart every time I would see it
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it was important to me to take my daughter to my hometown of Moundsville and we kind of did like the drive around. I took her to my, um, my elementary school, Sanford, uh, Sanford elementary. That was on third street. I I walked to school. I lived on third street. It took me less than three minutes to walk to school. It's gone. Mm -hmm. It is literally crumbled. They have completely demoed it. Yeah. And it's gone. And you're just like, but it could have been a community center. Someone could have invested, you know, this, that, and the other, and and turned it into a town hall. Or I, I don't know, but there's anything like that. I guess you have to first start with caring. And I, I don't, I think, but I think though, globally, we're not in a place of caring yet because we're all in a place of survival. And that's what we're all trying to do right now is survive to figure out, well, to pick up the pieces that happened over the last two years and then oh, yeah. then survive and make up for those two years and then perhaps start to care about everything else. We've both
0: been gone from the area for years and years, uh, decades in some cases. My thinking, and I, I want to get your read on this is that it's a place that's very much sort of uh, locked into almost toxic nostalgia. They're all looking for what they had 10 years ago and it's like a sliding scale, it moves along with it, but everyone's sort of always looking back instead of looking where they are now or looking forward. And it's something that uh, I think it took me leaving to really kind of see it, because when I go back like, and I, I see friends, they're all talking about shit we did 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they're not talking about anything exciting about in their life now, even if they have something exciting in their life. did you ever get a sense of that sort of like this toxic nostalgia
1: of the area? you know I I'll have to tell you um, no, and I'll tell you why. and that's okay right because I think we're, we're we're in a position we are in a position where I think everyone deserves to have their own opinion and this that and the other and I to an extent of what you said, in my 20s, And into my late 20s, I felt that because you felt you felt like you were moving forward when you leave a place. And then when you go back, you're kind of like on that hamster wheel and then going backwards on the hamster wheel. Then you're like back in time. Right. Um, I had um, an an incredible catch up with um, Emily Wack and Lindsay Dobbs uh, and Shay. Oh, she's married to Alex Pantino. Do you remember Alex?
0: I do. I do remember
1: Alex. So Shay Shay Amy, um, she actually graduated in St Clairsville, but uh, she married Alex. So I met up with them, and I'll tell you what it was—it was really lovely to hear that because the area has really been hit hard by the the opioid pandemic and the drug crisis that is happening all over America. Um, you can feel that. You can feel that people are very um, desperate. You can feel, you can sense that even on the highway driving, not the fanciest of cars, a lot of things broken down. Um, even just like the downtown area, not that great. So it was really nice to have a catch up with women that were happy with their jobs, had kids, were excited for the kids and their journey of soccer practice and swimming and dance and and, and that kind of thing. So. I think that hamster wheel mentality and that kind of toxic world that you were speaking of, Bill, I felt that when I went back in my 20s. But this time going back, I felt like, yeah, there are huge things that are mega happening there that need money and support and culture. My God, is it missing culture? But... (laughs) There are people there that live there and they are raising families and strong families. And I couldn't be more proud of what they're doing and that they are successfully navigating it and not feeling as though, well, we just need to get out or you know, they, they just live in like one small little bubble. They're like, you know, Emily's a nurse. Like she, I mean, to hear her stories of what she went through during the pandemic of, of working at Wheeling um, hospital, I, I mean, I salute yeah. her for it. I mean, I can only just give her a big hug and say, thank you. So I, I, I think that I, I understand absolutely where you're coming from with that. I think it's a very split down the center to find common ground with that. I think it's split down the center there of like, Yeah, you can get warped back in or you can choose to move forward positively and create space to live there. And they are. And they're doing a a wonderful job doing it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I do try and come up with one new game every episode. And uh, this one is really geared towards you. It's called What If It Happened Here? Uh, Now, uh, you've done legit theater for years, including a bunch of musicals. So I thought it would be fun for me to name some musicals and ask you how they would be different if they were set in Moundsville
1: or the Ohio Valley. Oh, hell, okay. Let's do it. I hope I know the (laughs) musicals.
0: I I tried to pick ones that most musical theater nerds would know. So hopefully we'll be okay. I think I picked a few that I I specifically knew you were into. Great. How would the Music Man change if it was set in the Ohio Valley?
1: Oh, hell.
0: <laughs> uh, we've got trouble. I can already tell. Oh,
1: we got trouble right here in Wheeling, West Virginia. <laughs> Starts with a W, ends with G. Oh, my goodness. Um, how could the Music Man change? Oh, my gosh. I can't, I, it wouldn't. You
0: think music would appeal to Wheeling just as much as it did to the town in the Music Man?
1: You look, I mean, Music Man has a, um, it, the, you know, you know, the first thing that I actually think about, um, sadly, is that the diversity in West Virginia, um, back when I grew up, was very, very minuscule. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that the Music Man would just be the Music Man there. I don't, I, you know, it's just an, an area that yeah, we'll come on in and yeah, we'll give it a good, good old shot. Um, Yeah. And like the sense of that kind of like white bread.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, if Hamilton came in, let me tell you, A, I would want to be in it. I would want to be like (laughs) Mr. Hamilton himself. And uh, I I, I think Music Man just kind of would just shimmy right on in.
0: So what if you uh, took West Side Story out of New York and put it in Moundsville? Oh, wow. Would it still be like, uh, you know, the, what would the two games Oh, my God. Be? You know what it
1: would be? I, I, you know what you just made me think about? It. So there was the people that lived in town, and then there were the people that lived, like, out on the hill and had to have a bus to bring them in town to school. Out in the boonies. Yeah, yeah. And I always, out in, the, out in the boonies. And I always <laughs> thanked them during the wintertime because we were always either on a two-hour delay, a four-hour delay, or canceled because the kids from out on the hill couldn't get in. So... <laughs> It would be like the Hilltoppers would be the Sharks and the like in the city would be the Jets.
0: Yeah. And sure. um,
1: yeah, I mean, that that's like a whole situation right there. That would go down like a tree. So
0: it's kind of like Hicks versus Preps is kind of what you're saying, right?
1: Massively, massively. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, and I hate to say it because I, I, I was, I actually am so angry that I even wore Abercrombie. It would be like the Abercrombie folk against the Carhartt people. <laughs>
0: Speaking of fashion brands, I I don't know, do you remember when we got our first Old Navy at the Ohio Valley Mall and for like a a year, everyone was wearing the performance fleece like every day? Like that was everyone's uniform.
1: Like essentially like what I'm wearing, but I have Busy Mumsy on mine. Yeah, no, I'm all about a performance fleece. I actually still have from the Ohio Valley Mall, it was purchased at The Limited. I have a fleece black hat That my mother bought me at the Limited and it was a very big day because she bought me something from the Limited and that was kind of expensive. And I still wear this black fleece hat every (laughs) fall, winter. And I've had that. I've I've left it at a hotel. They've had to ship it to me. I've left it on an airplane. I went back through security Uh to get it. This hat has been with me since I was 14 years old. I
0: actually have a piece of clothing that I bought at the Ohio Valley Mall around the time I was 14, too. It's a it's a Superman T-shirt. I basically just wear it to sleep in these days because there's holes in it and everything. But I'm like, I can't throw this away just because I've managed to hold on to it for so long for some reason.
1: Well, you know what, Bill? I still wear my hat in public.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How would rent be different if it was set in Moundsville? Like what would like the hipster equivalent be in Mount?
1: I mean, I, I would like to see the cast of rent survive on Jefferson Avenue. I mean, <laughs> it's such a melting pot there now. I mean, and you know what? We could even house them. My mom has property still on Jefferson Avenue that and you know, like we could even like put them, cherry pick the apartments with those, the storefronts and just see how they get on. I feel like Jefferson Avenue probably gets a bit rowdy after ten. So yeah, I think, that, I, I think that there'd be a lot of singing and screaming from the streets.
0: Very nice. Congratulations, Ashley. Uh, based on the very complex scoring that I've been doing, you won the game. So congratulations. I won the
1: game. Thanks. Well, you know, my mother did not raise a loser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what if it happened here? I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. Why don't you tell people about your podcast and where they can listen to more of you?
1: Oh, thanks, Bill. Uh, well, firstly, it was an absolute pleasure being a guest on your show. Um, I do have a podcast called the Busy Mumsy Podcast. And each week I am, you know, I am gifted the time of other very busy mumsies, busy parents, because the podcast encapsulates the ups, downs, and all arounds of parenting. We have a laugh, we have a giggle, I've had a cry because my tech didn't work and then the podcast went to crap, but you know, it's all those things. It's real life. Um, I've been very fortunate to have some wonderful guests come on board um, and great sponsors as well. Uh, So yeah, definitely tune into it. Every Wednesday, there's a new episode that drops.
0: I listened to a couple episodes myself this week, getting prepared for today and it's a good one. Definitely check it out. Definitely check it out.
1: Thanks so much.
0: All right. Well, we want to thank you guys uh, for joining us so much today. If you like the show, please consider going over to Apple Podcast and leaving us an honest review, five stars, because you love it, right? Of course. It really helps, uh, you know, reach new people with the podcast and sort of build us up so we can get even more cool guests like Ashley. Um, you can also find links to.
1: You know what, Bill? You'll end up having Meghan Markle on here in no time. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, you know, the first step was Stephen Tobla- Toblowski. Now that I've got him, I feel like he's going to open a bunch of doors for me. <laughs> we'll there you see. go. Uh, but if you want to uh, subscribe to the show, uh, definitely go over to BillMeeks.com slash where I'm from, links to our YouTube, our live stream YouTube, Spotify, all that are over there. Uh, you can also usually watch us record live at twitch.tv BillMeeks. And again, if you want to, email me Bill at BillMeeks.com. So that does it for this week. Uh, Join us next time when I talk to somebody else about where they're from. See you soon.